Amen, amen. Well, uh, this morning, I have one quick thing I want to highlight before I invite our speaker here this morning. Uh, If you are a business owner in the room, if you are a business owner in the room, I mentioned this about a month ago, but I want to talk to you one more time, okay? Uh, We really have just been feeling a calling to say, how how can we encourage our business owners, but also how can we find ways to partner together in stronger ways? And so there are so many business owners within our congregation, but the first thing that we need to know is we need to know who you are. <laughs> uh, we have, we've got a list of like 50 business owners already in the church, but I know there are more of you that still have not let us know about that. And so here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. If you can, pull out your smartphone real, real quick and just scan this QR code, all right? If you are a business owner, scan this QR code. It's gonna ask you like three or four questions, just real quick, just so that we know who you are. Um, and I'll be sending out an email as well that has this link. But if you are a business owner, scan this. And if you would go ahead and do that, it would help us as we say, yeah, we're gonna reach out with some opportunities coming up. We'd love to be able to help you with that, all right? Well, this morning, I'm excited as we continue in our series, Exiles, as we are walking through the book of First Peter. Uh, this morning, we have our very own Dan Jewell, who is gonna be sharing with us. So can you give it up for Pastor Dan Jewell? Well, good morning, church. How is everybody doing today? I hope that you are having a excellent Sunday. And Sunday is my favorite day because Sunday is the day that we get to live in our created purpose and worship the almighty God that forever changes our life. And so I love Sunday and I'm so thankful uh, to Pastor Greg and Pastor Amber for allowing me the opportunity to communicate with my church family. My wife, uh, Pastor Amanda, and I have had the privilege to serve this community for almost three years now, and we are so grateful and so blessed by so many of the relationships that we've developed here, and uh, it's just, you guys are are a blessing to us, and so thank thank you for uh, building into this community and building into other people, and today, as Pastor Greg mentioned, I get to continue in our Exile series, and today uh, we get to continue to ask the question that Pastor Greg has asked every single week. What does it look like to live for Jesus in a world that is often hostile towards faith? And what I know is that that question was relevant in the context in which we will read, but it is also relevant in the context in which we live. Because today the world continues to come against faith. It continues to come against the truth and the reality of Jesus and the resurrection. And to live for Jesus in today's world comes with the cost of increasing persecution. And uh, our world is going that direction. And so we need to ask the question of ourselves, what does it look like to live for Jesus in today's world that is persecuting Christians. And so we will continue to dive into that question and continue uh, as we study 1 Peter. And today we are gonna be in 1 Peter chapter four. If you have your Bibles, please open to chapter four, starting in verse 12. Before I read our text for you, I wanna cover our context first. Our context uh, for this text was a letter that was written by Peter to a people group in Asia Minor who were facing persecution, both social and state persecution. And the the persecution that they were facing was slanderous rumors. They were being exiled and and ostracized from their communities. They were being excommunicated. And to follow Jesus meant that you would probably have to lay down everything that you had in your life to be committed to Jesus. And the people that Peter wrote to were suffering. They were facing pain. They were facing persecution. They were weary. They were tired. And Peter writes this beautiful letter that encourages those in this region of Asia Minor to stay steadfast in the faith. 
to stay strong in what God called him to do, to not give up because you're facing something that seems insurmountable, to not give up even though you might feel alone, but to stay firm in what God called you to, to stay steadfast. And this beautiful letter continues uh, with us this morning, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. I know you were just standing, but if you wouldn't mind just standing again as we honor the word of God and hear the reading. It says this, dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal which comes on you. That, that word ordeal is more commonly translated to trial, the fiery trial that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, as much as you join in the sufferings of Christ, as much as you join Christ as Christ suffered, we suffer, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. What a strange blessing. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will then be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God. And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. I'm excited to get into this text today. We have more, more Bible than we have time, but we're going to get into this and I'm going to do my best. Let's pray this morning. Put your hand on the shoulder of the person next to you because we're a family here at Zoe Church. Spirit of God, I pray that today it wouldn't be entertainment. I pray it would be life change. I pray that today wouldn't be about just a message. It would be a revelation that would don the doors of our heart and unlock something new in us. I pray that every person walks in, walking in with suffering, as this is our topic, would have a new revelation of your mercy and your kindness and your grace and your glory that we are being called to live in. God, I pray that there would be just a new revelation of you, that we would walk out of this place changed, not because of entertainment, but changed because of the spirit of God. God, I pray that somebody here that is on the edge and they're thinking about jumping and they're thinking about giving up, that they would just receive from you a new touch from the Holy Spirit. It wouldn't be able to be explained in the flesh because it won't be in the, of the flesh. It will be of the spirit. God, I thank you for the opportunity that we have to walk in our created purpose. I pray that you would anoint this word and anoint this congregation in the name of Jesus. Shout amen. amen. You can take your seat. Now I'm a, I'm a really, really big movie fan. Anybody here really like movies? Now, I'm more of a movie fan as a dad, and here's why, because it makes me, it gives me the opportunity and the ability to not think about the poopy diaper that I have to go change. And it takes me out of my current context, and it places me in another life and another story, watching a director paint this beautiful masterpiece of narrative and story arc and character arc that all comes together to tell the story that you're viewing. And it takes you out of your current reality, and that's the reason why I really love movies, but especially as a dad, I double love movies. And I was watching a superhero movie, um, and 
what I noticed in this movie as they were developing the story arc of both the hero and the villain was I noticed about halfway through the movie that the hero and the villain were almost the same. They both experienced a traumatic backstory. They both had their parents brutally murdered. They both experienced significant trauma and pain. And they were left in the foster care system wondering what their life would look like in the future, feeling the weight of suffering and the weight of pain. And what I realized about halfway through the movie was the only difference between the hero and the villain in the story was how they responded to their pain. It wasn't that one had it easy and the other one had it good. It wasn't that one had a mentor and the other one had nobody. They both had nobody, but one of them responded to their experience rather than allowing their experience to determine their outcome. And what I realized is this, experience does not automatically determine outcome. One person can have a bad experience and have a good outcome and another can have a good experience and have a bad outcome. Now you can have a pastor's kid that grows up in the church and gets involved with the wrong crew and ends up an alcoholic. But you could have a person that grows up in an alcoholic family that someday gets involved with the right crew and ends up being a pastor. Because experience doesn't automatically determine your outcome. How you respond to your pain determines your outcome. You have more influence than you think and if experience doesn't determine outcome, we need to stop blaming our experience alone for the outcome that we potentially could have influenced. Your pain can either make you better or your pain can make you bitter. And this is the difference between a victim that becomes a hero and the victim that becomes a predator. How you respond to pain. The title of this message today is this. Trial by fire. We are all promised pain in this life. The topic we're covering today is the topic of suffering and pain. And whether you follow Jesus, you are bound to be confronted by the reality of pain and suffering. And we are all in a place when we follow Jesus where our faith is tried by fire. Here's the thing about fire. Fire is not simply a pressure test. It is not a measure of strength. It is not an indicator of ability. It is not a measure of your competency or your knowledge. We love knowledge here in America. It is a measure of composition because what catches fire will be revealed in its composition. And when we face suffering as a Christian, it's our spiritual walk that is tested under the fire and our spiritual life, the composition will be revealed when it gets in the fire. And so a trial by fire is a measure of our spiritual composition because when you get in the fire, it's, that's when you find out exactly what you're made out of. And when you get in the fire, you find out if you're going to burn and disintegrate or if you're going to be altered because fire can either destroy or it can alter. And your faith, when you suffer for the name of Jesus, is in a fiery ordeal. It is in a trial by fire. And this is why you see people who either walk away from the faith when life gets hard or they deepen their, their faith when life gets hard. Because fire 
reveals composition. And pain is the greatest measure of our spiritual composition. And when we encounter pain, we truly find out what our faith walk is made out of. Point number one this morning is this, and this is a painful reality, but it's this, pain is not the exception to faith. It is a reality of faith. It's not an, I got no amens on that one, except for Pastor Greg, someone who probably walked through something. Pain is not the exception to faith. It is a reality of faith. And I don't like to hear that. And my wife didn't like to hear that. And and last night I was telling her my points this morning or last night. And she said, uh, she said, that stinks. (laughs) I was like, maybe I should write a different point that makes you feel happy, but I'm more committed to telling you the truth than telling you something that's going to make you happy. And too many people are bought into this false gospel ideology that convinces us that we are following Jesus to make our life better and that things in our life are gonna get better and and easier. And when we follow Jesus, our pain will subside and the suffering will cease and that we will get the car of our dreams and the house of our dreams. And someday we will walk into our dreams. But the reality is that is a false gospel narrative that leads people into this concept called deconstruction. Because when they walk into a trial and when they walk into a fire, they don't have the wherewithal to understand that that is where God is calling them to be because it's in the trial by fire that God develops us. And so I would rather tell you the truth than tell you something that makes you happy. The gospel is about walking in purpose here, walking in the kingdom here on earth so that we can walk into the kingdom someday face to face with a Jesus that died for us. It is not about making life better, although I wish it would. Because life is kind of hard sometimes. It is about eternity. And that's the gospel I hope to preach today as we continue. Well, see, we're all guaranteed suffering, but we're not all guaranteed suffering for the right reasons. See, Peter says that you need to suffer for the right reasons. He's saying don't suffer because you did something that caused suffering. And then don't suffer for that reason in the name of Jesus. Because a lot of times we make bad decisions and our bad decisions lead us to an obvious place of suffering. And then we say, I'm just under distress, Lord. And God is saying, you put yourself there. Don't say it's in my name. Because if you suffer because of a bad decision that you have made, you are actually suffering in the name of yourself. And so suffer for the right reasons. And if you do suffer for the right reasons, if you do suffer because you are staying committed in your faith, and if you do suffer because because you are staying faithful to the Jesus that has called you by name, then he says rejoice because you will participate in the glory that will be revealed someday. And earlier in 1 Peter, it said that you will walk into your eternal inheritance and that God will has a plan for your life. And he says, if you're suffering for the name of Jesus, you can rejoice because I know people who suffer for the name of Jesus. They lost their job because they wouldn't give in to the false ideology that undermined the message of the gospel. And they are suffering because their family has excommunicated them because they're not going to give in to an anti-gospel ideology. And they're suffering because their friends had said, bro, I don't know why you believe in that stuff. And then you had to draw a line in the sand saying, I'm not going to participate in what's 
going to destroy me someday. I'm going to participate in what God has called me to. And so if you are suffering in the name of Jesus, rejoice. Because you have the spirit of God and the spirit of glory on you. And someday you're going to walk into an inheritance that God has set before you. Stand strong. Don't give up. When you suffer for Jesus, you don't suffer in vain. Your pain has a purpose and God is preparing you for something so much greater than you could even imagine. Stay steadfast in what God's called you to do and let your pain develop purpose within you. Now, all throughout the Bible, God communicates this illustration of refining to the authors of the Bible. And so for the rest of our time here today, we are going to talk about this illustration that God gives us in dozens of scriptures, dozens of passages, dozens of authors that God communicated that we are like a precious metal and God is the great refiner. And when we suffer, we are in the refiner's fire. And the reason I'm going to communicate this for the rest of our time here this morning is because I need you to get this in you. Because this is not head knowledge. In America, we love head knowledge and we think that gaining knowledge is what saves us, but knowledge doesn't save you. A revelation of God's grace is what saves you. And I need you to get this in you because if you're not suffering right now, there's gonna be a time when you are suffering and there's gonna be a time when you're feeling the weight and the pressure and there's gonna be a time when you're in the fire and you're thinking, well, how can I be here? Why am I here? I should not be here. But God is saying, I have a reason for that. I have a purpose for it. And when you're hurting, I'm calling you to something greater. And so we're gonna spend the rest of our time talking about this illustration. God refining us as the great refiner refines a precious metal. So in history, the process of refining a precious metal has been fairly consistent. You take, we're gonna use gold as an example. You take mined gold ore, which is a combination of the precious perfect metal combined with impurities that need to be extracted. You take mined gold ore and you place it into a bowl that can withstand the furnace and the bowl is called the crucible. Say crucible. You place the gold ore, both the purity and the impurity into the crucible and the furnace is heated to almost 2000 degrees. And then the crucible with the gold ore gets placed into the furnace so that the gold can change its composition. It can change its form. It can change from a solid into a liquid. I'm going to give you a chemistry lesson. And as it heats up and the gold changes form and the gold is, is, is changing and the particles heat up, the impurities that are woven into the gold are brought to the surface of the gold. And the gold is on the bottom and the impurities are on the top. And the refiner, a skilled craftsman, would take a device to skim the top of the crucible to remove carefully the very things that would devalue the gold. And as they remove the impurities in the gold, it gets to a place of perfection where then the gold is poured into a device that would mold the gold into a different shape. 
Now stick with me. The mold would have a label on it and the gold being poured into the mold would enable the gold to be labeled for what it's worth because the refiner is the only one that knows exactly how much the gold is worth. And on that label would also be the brand and the name of the refiner. So anybody who looked at that gold would know exactly whose gold that was and who did the refining work. And the gold is then perfected. And it has reached its full potential. And the gold always has to reach its full potential. But the gold first had to be trialed by fire to reach its potential. And God designs us like a precious metal. God designs us like gold that was made perfect. But sin entered the world and we are then devalued like a gold ore walking around dirty and virtually unrecognizable. And those who call themselves Christians who are submitted to God, but not actually submitting to the process of refining, walk around like a gold ore, pretending that they're claiming a value that they actually don't have. Because they have not submitted to the refiner's process of refining the impurities out of us. This is the process of sanctification that God calls each and every one of us to. And so when the world sees Christians who have not submitted to God's authority, the world sees uh, evidence of what could be that obviously is not. And we run the risk of walking around like dirty gold ore, unrecognizable to God's original design, and the, and the people outside of the walls of the church say, that's a bunch of hypocrites in the church. Because we are claiming something that we actually have not submitted to. And God is not calling you to just say that you follow Christ and stay in the gold mine. He's calling you to the process that he has strategically designed to purify us and change us from the inside out. I don't want to be authentic to what I came here with. I want to be authentic to what God's calling me to be. I want to be authentic to what Jesus is setting before me. And as a Christian, we must submit to the process of sanctification in the process of being skimmed of our impurities because that the impurities can't actually come to the surface and be removed unless we're actually in the fire. And our and precious metal is devalued by the impurities that are hidden within it. And so the substance that ultimately devalues the gold is already interwoven within the gold. So what's causing the gold to not reach its full potential is already inside of the gold. And that's why we're not all good and we're not all bad. I got parts of me that are good and I got parts of me that are bad. I got parts of me that I wish I didn't have and parts of me that I'm glad I do have. And that's why you can walk into church with your Sunday best. You got the hair looking good. You got the new kicks on. You got the new outfit. You look really nice and you got your Sunday best, but you and your husband were screaming curse words at each other last night because you want to reveal just the parts to people that you want them to see and not the parts you don't want them to see. And this is why we can put a mask on to control and to manipulate people's perspective of us and their perception of us all to control what they see. Claiming a value that we don't actually have. 
And this is also why mama, when they go to uh, family photos, mama always got to be on the left side of the family photo because you got your good side and you got your bad side. And don't you start pretending like you don't know what I'm talking about. Mama's going to pop the leg, you know, get the angle just right. Don't pretend like you don't know about that. And the thing is, the guys are laughing, but your wife took a picture of you at the pool the other week and you stayed fully sucked in. Because you got parts of you that aren't all bad. And you got parts of you that are pretty bad. (laughs) And you only want people to see the good part of you. And so we manipulate people's perspective of us to claim a value that we don't see in ourselves, that God has inherently interwoven within us. And while there are things that we hide that are inconsequential, there are also things that are consequential that are beneath the surface. Impurities and trauma and pain and suffering. When you were a child, you were abused by your dad and you don't know if you're ever gonna have a good relationship with a father figure again beneath the surface. And when you were sexually abused, you don't know if you're ever gonna be able to have a healthy relationship ever again with people of that gender. And when you were abandoned and left in the foster care system to be adopted, you thought, am I ever gonna belong in an earth where my parents didn't want me? And you walk around wondering if your parents' divorce will ever lead you into a divorce of your own, wondering, can I make it through this thing? Can I stay committed when my parents couldn't? It's beneath the surface, it is, it is impurity, it is pain, it is pride, it is essential human need left unmet. It is things that are devaluing us, but they're on the inside and they're interwoven and they're interconnected with the very parts of us that God has deemed valuable. Now I come to tell you that the great refiner has you in a fire, not so that you can just experience pain, not so that you can just walk through something with no purpose, but so that he can separate what needs to be separated Separated, and he can remove what needs to be removed and bring to the surface the very things that he has his eye on that says that is keeping you from walking in your potential. And so we get superheated up to 2,000 degrees and we're experiencing the fire and the pain and the things we don't want to experience, but it's in those moments that God says, I have purpose for you. And here's the thing, these things that are deep down inside of us, they get brought to the surface of our life. And when they're brought to the very surface of our life, we are in this place where what we once used to be able to hide can no longer be hidden. And the thing that you masked for years, now that you're in the fire, you can't hide it anymore. Now that you're feeling pain, you can't pretend like you don't have that thing on the inside of you. And now that you're in in a difficult circumstance, you had a fight with your wife or a fight with your husband saying all kinds of things you never thought you would say, talking about a divorce when that was never on the table, but the reality is there's something that's coming out from the inside of you that God is revealing as you're in the fire. Because without the fire, that thing just remains a devaluing substance in your life that God is not gonna remove. But in the fire the composition changes. In the fire, your character changes. In the fire, everything changes all to reveal what needs to be revealed. 
And what was hidden beneath the surface is brought to the surface because fire is exposing. Fire is revealing. Fire is uncovering. And when you reach this moment, it is imperative that you don't curse the place that God has allowed you to be all to extract what needs to be extracted. Point number two this morning is this. Don't curse the crucible. The crucible is the bowl that the gold ore is placed inside of that then gets placed in the furnace. And if you're in the crucible, it means that God has you in a structure that has allowed you to suffer. Even if he didn't cause the suffering, he's using the suffering. And so don't curse the place that God has allowed you to be. All to remove what needs to be removed and to bring to the surface what needs to bring, be brought to the surface. Because it's on the surface that God's going to work on you. Don't curse the place that God has allowed you to be all to change you from the inside out. See, if you curse the crucible, you run the risk that many people run and that the villain of the story runs of getting bitter, not better. That's why pain can make you better or it can make you bitter. But if you blame your experience, if you blame the the surroundings, if you blame the people around you, you run the risk of getting bitter and not better through your pain. We're all going to experience pain, but are you going to get bitter or are you going to get better through it? Don't curse what God has allowed you to experience. And the people that get bitter, it's almost like they're in the crucible and they can't stand the heat. So they get out of the crucible when everything was brought to the surface and they cooled, and everything that once was underneath the surface is now on the surface of their life. And the thing that they used to care to hide, they don't even care to hide it anymore. Now they wear anger and bitterness like it's a fashion trend, like they got a statement. Have you met that person that it's almost like they got a statement when they walk into the room, that they want you to know that they're upset all the time? Because they have grown cold when God has told them to be hot. And they're in a place where what used to be hidden, they don't care to hide anymore. So they are going to allow the thing that they suppressed to take over their personality. Now it's hardened on the surface. And now they walk around with anger and bitterness. And they drive like a maniac because ain't no government going to tell me to drive slower. And they're mad at their wife. And they're mad at their husband all the time because they don't want to submit to each other and love each other. And they're not wearing humility. They are now wearing the thing that God has called them to remove. This is where bitterness leads you. It leads you to trauma response. It leads you to making unconscious decisions driven by unconscious motivations that you didn't even know you had because you allowed dysfunction to stay on the surface. And the devaluing substance that was hidden before is now on the surface and you are too cold to even care what anybody thinks because you've been hurt and you blamed your circumstance and you didn't say, God, how can you use this to change me? I came to tell somebody today that it's not too late. It's not too late to submit to the process God calls refining. 
It's not too late to have something that is on the surface of your character be removed. It is not too late to go backwards and to allow God to undo what has been done. And you think it's the end and you think it's too late for you and you think you're done and you think you'll never change. But God says, I can change anything. I can put anything back in the fire to change the composition, to change the very structure of your potential, to change the structure of your character, all to remove what needs to be removed. And even though you've turned a lot of people away and you've burned a lot of bridges because you're angry. God says, I have a plan for you and I have a purpose for you. And what you faced before, I'm going to use to make you into the person that I've called you to be. It's not too late to change. Some of us don't, we're not opposed to the idea of being refined. In fact, we would want God to refine us. We're just in the wrong hands. We're in the hands of social media that's indoctrinating us and telling us what's right and what's wrong and what to feel and what not to feel. We're in the hands of our friends that lead us astray and lead us to bitterness towards our spouse, not towards health. We're in the hands of, a, of people who are telling us how to live but don't actually believe in Jesus. We're in the hands of our family member that comes over and talks our ear off about this and that every single holiday and you can't stand them. Or even worse, we're in the hands of ourself because we think we're the hero of the story and that we're gonna take care of ourselves and, and refine ourselves and I'm gonna, I'm gonna be self-made. God's not calling you to be self-made. God's calling you to be refined by the great refiner and you need to get into the hands of the refiner that can do the work that nobody else can do because you can let your pain make you bitter or you can let your pain make you better but the only way it's going to make you better is if you submit to the hands of the refiner, the expert at making you better, the expert at healing you and restoring you and calling you back to a place of health. You need to get into the right hands because in the right hands what was once beneath the surface now gets brought to the surface and in the right hands what's beneath, what's on the surface gets carefully skimmed and carefully removed and carefully extracted so that you can when people look at you they can see that is a precious metal why don't I why can't I be like that what do I got to do to look like that Jesus has give, have given Christians an identity to stand out not to sit back and hide in the four walls of the church but you have to let God refine you to get there. Or you look like everybody else in the world and we got nothing to talk about because if God can't change me, no one's gonna believe he can change them. God wants to remove and extract dysfunction and pain and trauma and it stinks, as my wife said, because it hurts because there's nothing comfortable about it, because it requires you to look in the mirror and see the elements in your personality that actually do need to change. <laughs> you don't come to Jesus and not change. You come to Jesus and everything changes. And once God removes and sanctifies you and, and cle cleans your impurity and removes the things he wants to remove, he then does my favorite part. He pours the liquid version of you, the version of you that's willing to allow God to do whatever he needs to do in your life into a new mold. And because the great refiner 
is the one who determines the value. God will imprint you with the value that he has set before you. Saying you're not gonna get your value from the world. You're not gonna get your value from a person. You're not gonna get your value from a relationship. You're not gonna get your value from how much money you make or how big your boat is or how big your house is. You're gonna get your value from the very creator that formed you in the womb, that set a purpose before you. You get your value from the one who loves you more than you could even imagine and it is imprinted on your soul invaluable. Here's your value. Jesus came to the earth to die on the cross for you. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son for whoever believes in him. Your value is is invaluable to God and God has sent his son to die for you and that is the value that you have set before you. And when your value is determined The best part is he brands on your heart his name. I don't want my name. My name leads me to destruction. My name leads me to pain. I need a better name. I need a name that's going to change me. I need a name that's going to have a path towards purpose. And he brands on your heart the name of Jesus. The band can come up. And when Jesus brands your heart, he lets everybody else know by the way that you live who did the refining work on the inside. It wasn't you, it's not your name, it's God's name. It never was me in the first place. It always was Jesus. It always was Jesus. It was never me that led me to a place of success that meant anything. My only purpose comes from my heavenly creator that has put his name on my heart but he can only do it if you allow him to work through your pain and work through your suffering. The main idea is this, you are not alone in the fire. You are not alone in the fire. You are not alone in the furnace. You are not alone even when you feel alone, even when things get difficult, even when things get painful. You are not alone in the fire. There is another in the fire with you. And in fact, even though you're not in control and you don't feel like you can control your situation, the great refiner says, you are simply in my tool of refining. You are simply in the place that I've allowed you to be so I can construct a version of you that serves me better, that glorifies me better. You are not alone alone in the fire there is a Jesus living and breathing that lives within us that is with us in every single moment when we feel alone and Peter says rejoice rejoice when you suffer for the name of Jesus because God's glory is on you his presence is on you eight weeks ago preached a message up here titled Unshakable Joy. (laughs) And I knew I was risking God teaching me something about that in my own life before I preached it, but I preached it anyways. And I remember preaching it thinking, can I do that at all times? Can I have unshakable joy in the face of a trial that seems insurmountable? Three days after I preached that message, um, my wife gave birth to our beautiful baby boy, baby Judah. He is a Krispy Kreme 
He is round and chunky. And when the wind blows, his neck just blows in the folds in the wind. And you know what's amazing about this moment is in my sermon, I talked about the irony of experiencing great joy and great suffering simultaneously. <laughs> I don't know if I preached it for anybody but myself, but I guess I needed to hear it because right after we gave birth to our baby boy, my wife was rushed off into the OR with a catastrophic bleed. And I sat in a room for four hours, a dark room in the middle of the night alone, texting a couple people, trying to get my dad on the phone, looking at my baby boy, just feeling so alone, just feeling like, am I a single dad? Because I saw the look on the doctor's face and I know that this is significant. Am I watching my life collapse in front of my eyes right now? but I still had great joy because I'm sitting there looking at my sweet baby boy. And I felt so alone. But what I came here to tell you today is that you're not alone in the fire. You're not alone in the fire. In the moment when you feel like you can't continue, you are not alone in the fire. You're not alone when you think you can't stand up tall and stand up strong for Jesus. You are not alone when you feel like you cannot move forward. You are not alone when you feel like you're, the pain is insurmountable and your knees are buckling under the weight of excruciating pain and question. What if this? What if that? You are not alone in the fire. You are in the fire, but God is doing a work on the inside of you to change you for your eternity because somebody needs to hear your testimony of how you came through pain and you need to understand in the fire is God building your testimony one block at a time and I sat there in the room reviewing my stinking sermon that I preached thinking I don't know if I can live this out right now and it's like the presence of God came on me holding my baby boy and I remember just singing amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me as I look at my boy and I have questions in my mind, I knew in the worst moment of my life, in the worst fear of my life, that I was not alone in the fire. And I'm coming to tell somebody who's in the fire right now that God has not left you alone, that he has you there for a reason and he has you there for a purpose. And maybe you have never even submitted your life to him fully. And maybe you have been in church, but you have not made a decision to say, I gotta live for Jesus. God, if I'm in the fire, I'm in the fire for you. God, if I'm not, I'm still for you. No matter what comes, I'm still living for you. And you have not made that decision. And God is tugging on your heart or you are the prodigal son who left the, the, the father and God is calling you back home and you are sitting there and you know it deep down inside and you know that that's you. God is saying, I've never left you alone. I have a purpose for your pain and I'm calling you to make a decision to follow me. And so church, here's what I want to, want to do. I want you to close your eyes and I want to talk to two people, the, the, the two groups, the group that needs to make a decision to follow Jesus for the first time. And you, you know that you're being called to a higher level of boldness. You know that you're being called to a high le higher level of purpose. And you are 
sitting there knowing that God is tugging on your heartstrings and the group that is needing to make a decision to come back to the Father. I wanna give you an opportunity to step out in what God's calling you to do. And so on the count of three, what I want you to do, if you belong to either of those two groups and you want to follow Jesus with the rest of your life and walk in God's purpose for you, I want you to open your eyes and raise your hand and look up at me and make eye contact on the count of three. One, two, three. I see you. 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 God. Pray this after me. Repeat after me, Lord. You can say it out loud. Lord, I come before you today, a sinner needing saving. I repent of my sin and I submit the rest of my life to you. Give me the strength to live for you to be steadfast, even when I faced a trial. Come into my heart and baptize me in your love. In the name of Jesus, amen. Church, I want you to do me a favor and just give it up for people who made the best decision they ever could have made in their entire life. From this day on, it doesn't, need to, it doesn't need to stay the same. It doesn't need to be how it was in the past. From this day on, you can make a decision to know that Jesus is with me even when I'm facing pain. And so I'm gonna tell you right now, there's a couple ways that you can move forward. One, I think we might have a QR code that you can scan on the screen. And this QR code is gonna enable you to get resources to move forward in your relationship with Jesus. And so I, I ask that you would scan that if you made that decision. In addition to that, church, I want to remind you that we got a reason to rejoice today. Not just because people made a decision which is amazing, but because we are if we are suffering for the name of Christ, we are going to share in God's glory. And God has an inheritance that's set before us. And so I'm calling us to worship today, to make a decision to glorify God that He has given us a new purpose, that he has given us a new reason to sing. And so do me a favor, stand up on your feet as we worship our creator together. Say
Father, we come again saying thank you that you are seated on the throne. God, whatever anybody is carrying, whatever fire they're walking through, God, you're still on the throne. And tomorrow, when some of us step into a fire that we aren't even aware of today, we can trust that you're still on the throne, God. We can trust that we can still believe in you. We can trust that we can still hang on to you, hold on to you, and know you never leave us, you never forsake us, Lord. We thank you for that, God. God, I pray the reality of this message would linger in our hearts this week. For every challenge, every good season, every hard season, God, may we submit ourselves to the refiner and see you transform us to make us more like Jesus. Pray that in the name of Jesus, everybody said, amen, amen.